Hello, friends, and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton, and I am joined, as always, by Daniel Bellamy. How are you today, Daniel? I'm great. Did you have a good day today? Yeah, it was a good day. What was the absolute highlight of your day today? Uh, I put on, I connected a keg that we got from Heretic. It's called Goo. Goo. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a barrel-aged, bourbon barrel-aged imperial milk stout. Sounds, it rings sounds, in at 12%. Sounds pretty goo. Pretty gooey. Uh, I had a little taste of it. It's intense. Do you want to give us um, a very brief celebration of this beer before we get into the episode? There's a lot of coconut in it. I, I, it, it when I read the description of it, um, at least on the importer's site, didn't mention anything about the coconut that I saw. Maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, to mm. be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's got a ton of coconut in it, but it's uh, it's very nicely balanced. I know you don't like it when the barrel comes on a bit too strong. I do not like that. The barrel is pretty subdued in this one. Okay. Um, it, everything really blends in there together, but... Uh, it's a real slow sipper. We're serving it in a half-size glass, um, which is 200 mil for us. And I think that's the right amount for it. I like to imagine a fully personified coconut lifting a barrel up over mm. its head and saying, you merely adopted the darkness, before cracking it over its knee. Okay. I thought you were going to work a goo pun in there somewhere. No. Goo merely adopted the darkness. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, I can't believe I left that one on the table. <laughs> Welcome back to Sakamichi Nights. This is entirely the kind of nonsense that you have signed up for. Last weekend was a pretty fun one, wasn't it, Dan? Last it was great. Yeah. Saturday mm. was the inaugural Japan Cider Cup, yeah. at which, correct me if I'm wrong, you were in attendance. I was there, yeah. I was. I had a, I had a lanyard and a thing on it that said vendor. My goodness. I know. How did it feel to be at the epicenter of this uh, this seismic event? Mm. Uh, yeah, it was great. Good energy. A lot, okay. of, a lot of cider heads there. Pretty interesting. We've done a, a couple beer events. And at beer events, generally, people are there for the beer. And at this event was the first time that a few people come up to our table at which we only had beer. And go, oh, what are you guys serving? And we said, oh, we have beer. And a couple of people went, Ugh. No thanks. <laughs> Visibly shuddered. <laughs> the real cider heads okay. know. Yeah. Uh, it was a cider event for cider people. Right. Uh, but it was great. Like there was, uh, uh, it was organized by uh, Insider Japan, one of the big cider importers. And they had brought over, uh, their goal is to make it a bigger event in the future. So this was kind of trial balloon year to see how it would go and how popular it would be. So they had brought over uh, one cidery from America, from Ooh, Chicago. Right. They, had, they had come over and and, uh, and were there serving their wares. And other than that, it was mostly Japanese ciders, uh, different Japanese cideries from like Nagano Prefecture and, and places like that. Uh, but yeah, it was a really good event. You know, it was nice, uh, especially for the first one in the lead up to it. We didn't do any of the events here, but they had... Uh, cider tasting events. Free cider tasting events. Free though. cider tasting events. Yeah, we, we maybe we should have uh, done that. Maybe we'll do it next year. Mm. Uh, the importer's idea for this event is to have, uh, to do cider awards for it. Right. But uh, to do cider awards, essentially it's a people's choice thing. Right. So when they did the tastings, it was like, hey, do you want to come and drink some free cider and tell us if you like it? That was basically the rules tried a bunch of different ciders and say, this one good, this one less good. 
Uh, and then from that, they ended up, um, you know, ranking them and, and giving out awards in different categories. Okay. Part of that, as I understand, is just due to logistics. There are not a lot of qualified cider judges in Japan, apparently. Uh, so to do like a proper tasting panel with, with actual accredited cider judges is nigh impossible. So let's throw it open to the people. Let's throw it open to the unqualified cider judges. Well, I do think there is, there's sometimes when you are very close to something, you can, you know, it's a forest for the trees kind of situation. Maybe you Mm. get too caught up in the details and the nitty gritty. And I think that that maybe part of what we do on the podcast here in celebrating beer is kind of a similar thing. It's like, you know, is it good.com, right? Like, I think there's a place for average person. What do you like? Right. Um, and obviously that's subjective and, you know, people are going to like different things and that's that's going to skew the results. But I think it's fun just to say, yeah, we poured these ciders for a bunch of random people and this was the one they liked the best. Did you enjoy this or not? Yeah. .com. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- there's definitely something in that. Um, would you consider yourself to be a cider expert? Are you a credited cider judge? No, not at all. What do I'm you, not a discredited cider judge. What do you look for in a cider? I style personally. Well, you know, there's different kinds of ciders, right? Personally, I like dry ciders more okay. than more than sweet ciders. Um, but you know, I, I don't know because I'm not because I don't know enough about the style and I don't know enough about how it's made or, or what things are supposed to taste like. For me, it does come down to that: do I like it? Kind of. It's factor. as simple as that. Yeah. Right. We have had, um, Insider Japan has brought in some interesting cans of cider here before. And we've enjoyed some that have like interesting fruit adjuncts mm. and stuff or yep. sea salt or something yep. like that. Do you enjoy a cider that is pushing the boundaries or do you like just a classic cloudy apple juice? Mm, I think there's a place for both. Uh, I've had some with adjuncts that I really enjoyed. I think I think I probably like those a little bit more, to be honest. Uh, but I have had some real traditional just straight uh, farmhouse funk apple ciders that were really good. Mm, delicious horse blanket. Yep. I wonder what would happen if we made one of those very fancy beers that is half beer wort and half apple juice mm. and fermented. Would a we graph? be uh, something really? like that? It, yes. I believe we may have talked about this on a previous episode and got the name wrong. Mm. Throughout the we had a, we had a grisette that we thought was yes. that, and it wasn't. So I think you're right that it is graph. But would we be allowed to enter that into the Japan Cider Cup? Mm. Well, we know the guys. So. That's a big question. Here's a question for you. Here's a big question for you. We've put 12 yeah. taps in. Yes. Uh, how would you feel in the future having a keg of cider on tap? Mm. <laughs> I would certainly feel about that. We do have people come in and are interested in drinking something other than than beer. Correct. So are we going to put a chew high tap in or a highball tap? Okay, I like these ideas. Keep going. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, a hot, gin and, hot chocolate tap. A gin and tonic tap. Yep. Yep. Sounds good. I have one of those in my house. <laughs> but yeah, I... That's that's it's a good question, and uh, I think the issue is that neither of us know enough about cider to really judge what we should be serving on a cider tap. Mm. So, even with twelve taps, even when we do go up to twelve taps, we will probably not have enough space for all of the beer that we want to serve mm. because we are both very passionate about beer, um, and perhaps we are both 
we enjoy but are less passionate about cider. Mm-hmm. So anytime we put a cider on tap, a beer is losing a place on the, on the list, mm-hmm. right? That's how I feel about it. Right. I don't know. Now that you've been to the Japan Cider Cup, have you seen the light? Are you a secret cider drinker now? Uh, I have always openly enjoyed some cider. Are you going to start chewing a piece of straw and calling everyone my lover? <laughs> is that a cider thing? I don't even yes, know what that is. Absolutely. Where's that coming from? Uh, the West Country. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, I'm going to start doing that. That sounds like my people now. Okay. So, welcome all my lovers to Sakamichi Nights. <laughs> It sounds like uh, you had a pretty good time there. It was a good event. Yeah, it was really fun. And uh, I'm really looking forward to next year. We'll be there again. Um, you know, much, much as I, we sometimes have people come in here that are interested in drinking something other than beer. There were people at a cider event that uh, wanted to break things up by having a beer. So um, I think the organizers are always going to have a little bit of beer there as well. So uh, we will continue to join that event. Next year should be even bigger and better. Yeah, look forward to that next year. Um, if you're there, you will be easily able to find Dan. He's the one in the straw hat, the denim dungarees, and nothing else. He'll be very much enjoying the scrumpy. <laughs> brewery update. Why don't we talk about what we've been up to in the brewery as well? Um, it's been a few weeks since we've done any of this, and all three tanks are full. We have beer fermenting in all three of our fermenters. The, um, the one that is the closest to packaging is our can we talk about this can we talk about this it's our three-way collaboration Mm. with anglo-japanese brewing and open air open air to be released on the 4th of may yep may the 4th be with you it's a star wars themed beer so i don't know quite how to describe this because it's not really a collaboration we're not making the same beer we're all making our own beers but we have all agreed to use the same two varieties of hops it's a cooperation a cooperation um millennium hops and falconer's flight hops it's the millennium falcon uh and we at sakamichi are making an imperial pale ale double dry hopped imperial pale ale um with lots and lots of those hops that one is in the tank it is finished fermenting it is finished with the, the second dry hop so hopefully we'll be packaged next week mm. and then should be ready to go by the 4th of May. Excited about that one. Yeah. We're uh, on the 4th of May. We're going to have kegs from the, the, the beers that AJB and Open Air are making as well. Uh, so we'll be able to have all three of them on tap simultaneously. If, uh, if we were going to be making any kind of beer at all. What would be the Star Wars pun name that you would like to use? Or even a cider, as I know you're such a huge, huge cider right. guy now. My lovers? Yes. How's that? That's really good. Nice. It's good. Nice. You're nailing it. Um, man, you really put me on the spot with this one. Grogu's Grog. Grogu's Grog. Okay. <laughs> that was my <laughs> idea. What's your idea? Um, yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm sure there's plenty of good stuff out there, but I'm not this kind of thinker. Heifer lightsaber Weizen. Yeah, good. That's great. Yeah. Let's put that one in the back pocket for now. In the other fermenter, we have, and I know people are excited about this, the third version of 
Haze Craze, the new Haze Craze that mm. we have coming up. Not uh, Hop Volcano. Not Hop Volcano. This will be Haze Craze, colon, something else, name TBD. Mm. Uh, this one we used a lot of Azaka hops, which have a kind of tropical fruit, mango kind of character to them. Dan, I know you're a big mango guy. I, yeah, I, much to my detriment, I love it. You love mangoes, but mangoes, mangoes don't, don't love me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, but hopefully Azaka hops will not disagree with you in the mm. same way that, that mangoes do. Fingers crossed. Um, that one is still a little way from me now, maybe two weeks from now. And then in the third fermenter, in fermenter number three, we have a beer that we fermented or we brewed just yesterday. So this is going to be a hazy IPA, a hazy session kind of IPA with some yuzu in it. Mm. Very delicious. Pretty good. Uh, so our friends at Crank Bar slash House of Ladybug have let us know that there is a festival going on in Hachioji at the end of May. We've made a beer specifically for this. My image is a delicious kakigori with some nice yuzu juice mm. over the top of it. So bitter, but also refreshing, cool, nice on a hot day. Uh, and... Hopefully that one will be ready by the time yeah. their festival rolls around. We are cutting it down to the wire. Did you use fruit puree in this? Uh, I, I can tell that you're mocking me <laughs> in the way that you're saying that phrase so easily. We didn't. No, we used fruit juice for uh, this one. Took the easy way out. Is it because you can't say fruit puree on the podcast? I can say that phrase. I just <laughs> choose not to on the podcast. Um, no, we used fruit juice mm-hmm. um and and i'll tell you why we used fruit juice uh it's because for hazy ipas you actually want the ph of the wort to be fairly low that helps with the haze stability and mm. with haze formation uh, and so yuzu and yuzu juice are quite acidic so adding a bunch of yuzu juice to the whirlpool helps to lower the ph quite a bit which hopefully, will help with the haze formation and the haze stability yeah. in this hazy IPA. I guess we'll find out. Uh, and if it works, then it will never have to say that phrase ever again. It wouldn't be the first beer billed as a hazy that poured out not hazy. We've had a few in here. Correct. None that we have made, hmm. uh, but I guess we are making and serving them very fresh in here. Uh, aside to an aside, uh, we have welcomed back an old friend from yesterday, basically. Uh, Haze Craze Colon Hop Volcano mm. is on tap, back on tap for a very limited the final keg. amount of time. We had one keg left in the brewery fridge. We decided to put it back on tap in the tap room. So if you're a fan of that beer, hey, it's here. You can enjoy it one last time before it disappears forever. That's your brewery update. Uh, get in here and enjoy some beers. Uh, smell the delicious yuzu smell that is bubbling out of the fermenter right now. Now, we're not just here to make fun of each other for our speech impediments. What are we here to do, Daniel? We're here to celebrate beer. Celebrate beer and make fun of each other for our speech impediments. Yep. What is the beer that we are going to be celebrating this week? We're going to celebrate uh, Tama Mono Ale. Excellent Centennial, name. excellent name. Sorry, I, I trampled good. all over that. Tabamono Ale, colon, Centennial. Uh, do you want to tell us about this beer? What is this beer? Sure. This is uh, another beer like Haze Craze. We're trying to do it as a series. 
Uh, and in this case, uh, the name is so good and lend itself to um, a single hop series of beers. So the first iteration of it is uh, made entirely with Centennial hops. Centennial hops, one of the big American sea hops, uh, Pacific Northwest. This is Super Cascade. Uh, I was reading on the Yakima Chief, Yakima Valley website just before we started recording that um, Centennial hops are known for their um, soft citrus and uh, complex pine characteristics. Mm. So hopefully we have managed to get some of those things into the beer. Why don't we take a glass and find out. How to taste beer. I know that several of you are drinking along with us at home, so I'm going to read briefly from this instructional instructional manual on how to taste beer. Step number one, look at the beer. What's the color and clarity like? Is there good foam? Does it look attractive to drink, Daniel? Yes. Good. Number two, swirl the beer to release some of the volatile aroma compounds. Can you smell anything at arm's length? Get closer. Can you smell anything when you stick your nose into the glass, Daniel? Yes. Correct. Number three, smell again. And this time inhale deeply and take shorter, sharper breaths. Can you pick out any specific aromas? Are the aromas delicate or intense? Yes. Correct. Number four, take a sip or... A mouthful. Move the beer around your mouth, and if you can, breathe in through the mouth at the same time. It'll help move all the aroma compounds around. That's good foley work. Whilst also coating your tongue. Coat it. Yes. Good. Number five, final step. Swallow and exhale. Mm. Trying to push the air back through your mouth, up and out of your nose. Think about the flavors, the taste, the mouthfeel, the finish and the overall quality of the beer. So, what do you make of this Tabamona Ale colon Centennial? Uh, It's good. I like it. Excellent. So, moving on to pairings. Uh, I think it's interesting to try one of these uh, single hop beers if for... even if, like, it doesn't stand up against different beers, which I think this one does. Spoiler alert. It's very interesting to taste the character of a single hop because you almost never get to do that Mm. in beers. Very, very few beers only use a single hop. So this one, we only use centennial hops uh, and we use them throughout the brew process. So to get the bitterness, to get the flavor, to get the aroma, maybe even to get some biotransformation in there as well. Do you think that you get a good idea of what Centennial hops taste like from this beer? Yeah, I think absolutely you do. Centennial is is one of the kind of classic West Coast IPA hops, right? You get a lot of, to me anyway, from this beer. I I feel like when I first had this, uh, drinking the beer and what I thought about it uh, matched up with kind of the style descriptors for this hop pretty much bang on. I get a lot of, like, grapefruit notes to it. It's dank and bitter. It's kind of piney and resinous. It's, like, thick in a way. Uh, I think it does. This beer kind of coats the tongue a little bit. Good to hear. Uh, All of those things. The other thing I noticed straight off the bat with this one, and maybe this is unfashionable or even unusual 
in this modern day of hazy beers mm. how clear it is. Right. This beer is incredibly clear. Mm. And it's interesting that we weren't really going for that. It's just something that kind of naturally came out of the process. Uh, and I don't know quite why, but this beer has come out much clearer than any other beer we have made to date. I you think. think so? Maybe with the exception of the Midnight Sun. Like um, the glass is a bit uh, cloudy now because it's cold. Mm. It's picked up a bit of moisture. But when you first pour it, if you look through this beer, it is very, very clear. Mm. That might be something to do with the yeast. Could be something to do with the process, the malts. I'm not sure. But it is striking to me mm. how unusually clear it is. It looks very nice in the glass, partly because of that. The the head is, is quite clear white as well. It pours a nice kind of light foamy head on top. Mm. I think when you first pour it into a glass, because it's clear, it's like a... Mm, I don't know what the color is. It's, it's orangey-yellow, right? It's almost a dark yellow, kind of burnt yellow with some orange notes to yeah. it. But yeah, it's, it's a really nice-looking beer in the glass. It's a beer-looking beer. It is a beer-looking beer. It is the platonic ideal of a beer-looking mm. beer in this glass. Uh, dark straw, maybe. Dark straw-looking kind of color. Mm. Uh, real Sakamichi heads will remember the first batch pale ale which is the first beer we ever made on our system here in Tachikawa. Uh, this beer has more or less the same malt profile as that beer. But the hops are quite different. Mm. And the way we use the hops are quite different as well. Um, because we wanted to keep things simple for that first beer. We didn't dry hop it at all. We kept all of the, the, the water adjustments to a minimum. We kept the hops as simple as possible. With this one... We've really tried to express Centennial to its fullest potential. And as Dan said, getting a lot of tiny resinous notes at the back of the palate and some real fun, playful, zesty citrus at the front. Uh, really interesting that you can get all of this out of just one hop, mm. which is nice. Yeah, And um, if uh, if there are any... Any budding brewers in our audience, anybody who is listening who wants to to figure out how to blend together hops, which I know is one of the big questions that people who are just getting into brewing have, it can be really interesting to, to taste this kind of single hop beer to get an idea of everything that you can get out of a single hop by adding it at different stages through the brewing process. Mm. We'll get into that a bit more later, perhaps. But for the time being, why don't we try and pair this beer with something? Are you ready for pairing? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. I'm thinking about my favorite river-based flotation activity. Oh, so we're going to be rafting. I mean, after a fashion. Okay, well, why don't we roll the dice and see just what we will be pairing this beer with? Of course, there are eight options, as there are every week. But we can't have the two most recent ones, which were... Video Game and Drinking Companion. So what's it going to be? Wild Card. Okay. Interesting for a beer that is so restrained, and we put these restrictions on by ourselves. uses but a single hop. You can pair this with absolutely anything you please. What is it going to be? What are you going to pair this beer with? I would like to pair this beer with a ride on the Tamamano Rail. Ooh, 
Whilst drinking this beer? Yes. Okay. That's what I want to do. Are you going to go end to end? No, I just want to... Um, if we're going to keep making this beer, I want to drink one of the one of each version on the Tamamano Rail. Mm. How many stations do you think there are on the Tamamano Rail? I have no idea. Let's say 15, maybe. Okay. If we made 15 versions of this beer, do you think you could finish a glass of each of them between stations? Considering there is less than a minute between some of those stations. That might be tough. Yeah, that, that could be problematic. That's a real power hour right there. You're getting dragged off by the station stat. Oh, no, it's the Tama Monorail. It's all Don't for the understand. Uh, have you been on the Tama Monorail many times? Never. I don't think I've ever it, been on it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I, I think it did take it coming back from the arena once. Like it's two stops north, right? Whatever right. it is up there. Okay. It's pretty good. There are mm. some parts where it gets up kind of high and you can see some nice scenery. You can see Mount Fuji. And right. um, it's just fun being on my rail. It feels very futuristic. Yeah. Describe uh, your drinking uh, situation on the train. Are you going to be spreading out? Have you bought a little picnic table? Uh, I'm, I'm a classy gentleman, as I think everyone knows. I'm, I'm going to pour a glass of this into a glass yeah. in here. And then I'm going to walk over to the monorail station and get on with my, my full glass of beer. I'm not going to drink it until I get on the train. Too. Okay. And when will you be inflating the tube? Uh, yeah, just I'll have it around my waist, I think, is the way to go. You're going to inflate it after you get on? Does it have some kind of ripcord that you pull? Let's say yes. Why not? Yeah. yeah. That's one way to make sure you get space on a crowded commuter <laughs> train. Blast isn't everybody it? out of the way. Does the time of monorail... Anyway... Uh, you know, it's the beer's namesake. I feel like if we just take the name and we don't ever go and have a beer on the train, have the beer on the train, then, you know, we've just taken the name with no no sense of gratitude. Um, the lawyers are sending me a lot of messages in my earpiece right now saying mm. that um, they want us to make it very clear that uh, Tama Mono Ale and Tama Mono Ale are very legally distinct entities and any similarity is entirely unintentional did you just say ale twice tamamono rail and tamamono ale right. are entirely okay. distinct legal entities where they had their own gb to called tamamono ale <laughs> <laughs> that tamamono ale and this unlicensed tamamono ale tamamono ale and tamamono rail have absolutely nothing to do with each other right um any uh similarity to monorails living or dead is purely coincidental mm, good cover uh thank you legal department and thank you rudolph i would like to pair this beer with a piece of music um that we're both looking at on youtube right now which is called break your crank crank spelled ck on the end as well yes c-r-a-n-c-k by gillam desk uh and the thing that's unusual about this piece of music it is it is played on a hurdy-gurdy okay have you ever seen a hurdy-gurdy being uh-huh, played? Yeah. They're, they're incredible, mm. aren't they? Like, it's a, it's a cross between a synthesizer and a guitar and a bass and everything. It can do everything, but it's all done on one instrument that you crank with a crank that is at its base. Uh, and something about that says to me that it would be quite well paired with um, a beer that we made with just one hop but mm. we have managed to get a lot of expression out of. Mm-hmm. So it's one instrument, but it sounds like several instruments being played all together. 
And so, hey, just about any piece of hurdy-gurdy music would work on this. You can listen to your favorite hurdy-gurdy album by your favorite hurdy-gurdy artist. But I would recommend that you listen to my favorite hurdy-gurdy artist, uh, which is Gillum Desk and his piece, Break Your Crank. Is it hurdy-gurdy-in? Is there a term for... Hurdy-gurdy-ist? Hurdy-gurdy-ist. Hurdy-gurdy-er. Why not? Why not all of these things? Mm, Um, As I said, it's all about getting lots of enjoyment out of a single instrument. Um, So why not call it all of these different things? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite hurdy-gurdy album? Um, Hurdy the Gurdy. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, Yeah, that's That's, that's uh, a real classic. I mean, if you're going to go back to the classics, Hurdy the Gurdy with his album Gurdying the Hurdying, mm. that is, yeah. I mean, it's 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 right up there, isn't it? You might even call him the Mozart of the Hurdy Gurdy. Yep. Now, as we mentioned, this is a beer that we made with uh, just one variety of hop. And I think you alluded to this earlier, but um, sometimes single hop beers can be a bit boring, right? Has that been your general experience of them? In years gone by? That was my prior experience of them to the point that I just, I would never order them anywhere. And it it wasn't until we had a few cans in here. I think you actually recommended one or two to me. And I'm pretty sure we got a keg. Uh, I think you recommended one of the two rabbits single hops that we had in. He did a Vic Secret one that we had in cans that was really good. Uh, and then we got uh, Nomcraft does a series called Drift, Hop Name Drift. Uh, and we got a keg of their Strata Drift in here, and it was a hazy single hop IPA. Uh, and it was excellent. It was everything that you want out of those kinds of beers. My prior experience had been that they were kind of thin right. and boring. Uh, it didn't feel like they had a lot of complexity of character that I was looking for. Uh, so th- it almost felt like, Oh, that's, that's a fun thing for brewers to do. And maybe it's a fun thing for brewers and people who are really nerding out about beer to get into. Uh, as you said before, like you, you can taste the character of, of a single hop. But it didn't appeal to me personally as just a consumer. Uh, and it wasn't until I think it was the Two Rabbits Vic Secret single hop and the Gnomecraft Strata Drift uh, that I was like, these are just great beers. If you didn't tell me they were single hop beers, I wouldn't have guessed it. Uh, and then since then, I've been much more open to single hop beers. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. It's the is it good.com question, mm. right? Who cares what the philosophy behind this is? Do I actually enjoy drinking yeah. it or not? That is the most important thing. And so a lot of single hop beers these days do come out really nice. But you might be thinking, well, how can I get a bunch of different flavors how can I get a really complex flavor out of a single ingredient, mm. right? Because the aroma, the bitterness, the flavor of the beer, especially for an IPA or a pale ale, largely comes from the hops. Not exclusively, of course, but it largely comes from the hops. So how can we get so much complexity out of just one thing? It all comes out the same bag. Mm. Uh, and that is by um, adding it at different stages during the brewing process. So I thought it might be interesting to briefly go over the different ways that we add hops to beer to illustrate how it's possible to use one bag of hops to get a bunch of different flavors. Mm. Um, What do you think about that? Sounds interesting. Yeah. I think the big difference... Can I lead in? No, please do. 
I think the, the, the major split, and we've talked about this before, is uh, what the hot side and the cold side. Okay. Uh, so are you putting them in, in the boil? Well, why or are you we, putting them in the tank? Why do, well, yes. Why don't you start by explaining what the difference between the hot side and the cold side is? Uh, so when we make beer, when we have a brew day, um, that's when we are essentially making wort, right? We're, we're um, preparing the grains and adding the hops and things like that, uh, creating wort, which is a sugary liquid. You know what? Why don't you explain what it is? <laughs> No, you've got it. So on the brew day, we make wort, which is a hot, sweet liquid made with grains. And then we boil it in the kettle and we add hops at different stages during that boil. Uh, and so we boil our wort for 60 minutes, which is fairly standard for, for brewing. And the, the hops contain a few different things, but the, the main things they contain are volatile flavor compounds and alpha acids. And the longer you boil hops, the more alpha acids you extract from them. But the volatile flavor compounds, because they are so volatile, can tend to get evaporated off mm. and destroyed the longer you boil them for. So if you put hops in right at the beginning of the boil, and you boil them for 60 minutes, really all you're left with is the bitterness mm. of those hops, which comes from the alpha acid. Um, so we tend to put in a charge right at the beginning of the boil, which we use to extract bitterness. And then we put in another charge at 30 minutes, uh, and this is mainly used to extract flavor from the hops. So the kind of compounds that will be left after 30 minutes, you will get some bitterness, but you will also get uh, a lot of flavor compounds that hang around for that long. Uh, and then we put in another charge, maybe at 15 minutes, and then maybe another charge right at the end when we're well pulling the hops. So they're still hot, but we're not boiling them anymore. And this, because we're not boiling them, we don't extract very much bitterness. We get a bit because the beer is still hot, the wort is still hot, but mostly we're trying to extract the different aroma compounds. Mm. So it kind of goes bitterness and then flavor and then aroma, right. depending on how long the hops are in contact with the hot wort, basically. There's a quite famous beer in America, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, is Dogfish Heads. Uh, 90 minute IPA right. and 120 minute IPA. Yeah. And in that beer, they actually have. I, I read about it before. I don't remember exactly, but it was like every two minutes or something like that. They're That's adding pretty insane. Hops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's a fav famous beer for, for being very, very good. Um, you don't need to go to those kind of lengths, but that's showing you that adding the hops at different times. Uh, is gonna you're, you're gonna extract different things from them, right? Exactly, yeah. And I think uh, a useful analogy that I've heard before is um, tea leaves. If you boil tea leaves in the water, you will get a very different flavor than if you just add some tea leaves to some mm. eighty degree water and let them steep for a while. Right. And everybody knows that, and you can sort of intrinsically understand that. And it's the same thing that is going on with the hops, basically. Mm the amount of heat they're exposed to and the time that they're exposed to that heat for uh, extracts different flavors right. from them. I was thinking about cheese. Okay, you're adding cheese to your tea? Yeah, man, absolutely. You don't? What's wrong with you? You're not from the West Country, obviously. A <laughs> couple, couple of shakes of parmesan <laughs> on my English breakfast. No, if you take like a slice of cheese and put it on a piece of bread and eat it, just cold cheese out of your fridge, and that is something wherever you I keep do. your cheese, 
then that's, you know, that cheese is going to present in a certain way. Yeah. You put it in the toaster oven for a little bit and warm it up, it's going to be slightly different. Mm-hmm. If you melt it, slightly different. And if you burn it, it's going to be very different. If you mix it with some mayonnaise and some tuna, even better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the hot side. So we're, we're boiling the wort where we have heat on this side. But when it goes into the fermenter, we pass the wort through a heat exchanger and cool it down to fermentation temperature, which is like 20, 15 to 20 degrees. So we call that the cold side. Uh, and hops are also added to the beer on this side, uh, maybe at 20 degrees, maybe during active fermentation, maybe after active fermentation is finished and at like 15 degrees or 10 degrees or something. And again, what we're doing here is extracting different flavors or mostly aromas Mm. because this is on the cold side into the beer. Um, One interesting thing that can happen is when the the active yeast, which is fermenting the beer, is in contact with the hops, it can biotransform the flavor compounds that are present there and produce new and interesting compounds. So the, the flavors and the aromas that you smell just from a a handful of raw hops can be quite different from the ones you get in the finished beer in the end because the yeast has managed to transform them during the fermentation. Um, but yeah, if you add the hops on the cold side like this, dry hopping we call that, you will mostly extract aroma and depending on how much and at what stage you add them, you will extract different kinds of aroma into the beer. So you use this process in a normal beer. You would have all different kinds of hops. And yeah, you, all blends you would, of hops. Yeah, you yeah. would be adding them at different times yeah. uh, based on what kind of things you wanted to get out of them, right? So it might be some hops you would put in the boil that you're not going to dry hop with. And there might be some hops that, you know, you're going to, in some cases, you might split them, right? We want mostly aroma from these hops. So mm. we're only going to dry hop with these ones. Yeah, to extract your cheese analogy a little bit further, you might only put the parmesan on once you finish cooking the pizza. That, I, that's my that's my go-to move for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. The hard cheese is gone at the end. Um, but yeah, so with a single hop beer like this one, you're adding the same hop all the way through the process, but you are extracting different bits of it uh, and enjoying different parts of it. And that's Uh, in a very short fashion. That is how you can enjoy a complex flavor, uh, even from a beer that only uses basically the one kind of hop. Mm. Fascinating. So it's unusual to be able to enjoy a single hop beer like this. Um, I don't think I've seen one with Centennial before. So I really enjoy this. Um, If you are interested in giving that a go, we are open every day from 12. Founders um, make, sorry to jump in there. No, go ahead. Founders makes an IPA called Centennial. Oh. I don't actually know if it's a single hop. I don't think they bill it as a single hop. If they still have no uh, idea. But they call it specifically Centennial. It's a great beer, but it's very much, uh, you know, Centennial, again, kind of classic West Coast IPA hop. And Founders Centennial is very much that kind of beer. Um, I like that beer a lot. Uh, I think that it holds up really well. And, uh, but I, I don't know exactly if it's a uh, if it's a single hop. I think Centennial, the hop itself, was named for the centenary of the founding of Washington State. So maybe there's a connection there. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I'm this is pure speculation now. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's good beer. You should come in here and you should drink it. That's the message. What other good beers do you think people should drink in the very immediate future? 
Uh, there's two things I'm pretty excited about right now. I put a keg on just today called Goo from Heretic. Yep. Did we mention Goo already? We mentioned the Goo. We did mention the Goo. Uh, it's going to be on for a minute, I think. Um, you know, we're doing it in half size pours, and it's a 20 liter keg. So I, I imagine it's going to hang around for a bit. But uh, yeah, that's that's I, I have I don't think I've ever seen that beer around. If you're a fan of goo, if you're a fan of coconuts smashing beer barrels over their knees, right. then yes. this is we the one for you. This, we? It's all coming back now. Um, the other thing that we just got in today that I would imagine is going to sell out really fast everywhere is the second collaboration between West Coast Brewing and Denki Groove. Uh, Denki Groove, uh, Takyu Ishino, you familiar with? Sure, yeah, the, the music duo. Yeah. Uh, they did a, so West Coast Brewing did a collaboration with Denki Groove a couple months ago, I think, and it sold out so unbelievably fast that we, we weren't even able to get our hands on any of it. It was gone before we could get it, literally seconds. Uh, I understand from their promotional stuff, they said that they brewed the biggest batch of two beers that they've ever done before in their history. So, uh, obviously they learned their lessons the first time. So we got those in stock from today. Uh, one of them is a hazy double IPA, and the other one they called a, a Best Coast double IPA, which I assume is a West Coast double IPA. Uh, those are both, uh, I'm certain, very, very good, and obviously they're going to sell very, very quickly. Very cool. Very good beer. Uh, speaking of very cool things with very good beer, are there any events coming up that you think people should know about? Uh, this weekend that I know of, this weekend there's an event in Kawasaki, actually. Oh, really? Uh, it's a pretty small one. It's it's just out the kind of the what the the not Lazona side of Kawasaki Station, if you know Kawasaki Station geography. Um, it's called Kampai Beer Day. Okay. Uh, it's it's a relatively small beer festival. It's an outdoor thing, and the the organizers are trying to make it a a beer and music event. So there's uh, kind of bands and DJs playing the entire time as well. I went to it. They're trying to do it twice a year. I went to it in October, uh, and it was a really good day. So that's happening uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday the 5th and Sunday the 6th. Uh, no, sorry. That's like that's like this weekend. Oh, this, this week. weekend. Like the 29th and 30th. Okay, right. That's this weekend. That's right. And, uh, and then the next thing, well, I suppose the next thing that we are a part of is two weeks Yes. From the release of this episode would be the, what was it, the 13th and 14th, I think. Yes. Uh, and that's an event uh, organized by Idrisil down in Hiratsuka. So they're going to have some beers on with a couple of the breweries that they have worked with. That's us and Shiokaze. Um, friends of the pod, Shiokaze. Friends of the pod, Shiokaze. And uh, yeah, that should be a good event. Hiratsuka is a really lovely area. It's down on the coast there, down by the beach. Um, they're going to have a couple of our beers on. Are you going to go down and I check it out? I am hoping to be there on the Sunday. So if you're there on the Sunday, on Sunday the 13th, and you see me, just walk away. <laughs> no eye contact. <laughs> Look at them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. I love talking to people. Uh, come and enjoy some of our beers and have a good time down by the seaside. Promises to be a wonderful time. That is just about all the time we have this week thank you for joining me today daniel bellamy thank you very much for listening everybody stay safe and we will see you again next time thanks for listening my lovers <laughs>